0: This is the Machination Log for May 27th, 2016. I'm your host, David Paddock. We got the movie crew in the house. Movie crew. Nicole. Originals. Ryan. We're here to discuss the third pillar of (laughs) whoever the hell the director for this movie. I don't know the guy's name. Park (gasps) Chan-wook. Park Chan-wooks. Sympathy for Lady Vengeance, or just Lady Vengeance, if you're looking for it on Netflix. By the way, if you're going to look for it on Netflix, it's only there until the 1st of June.
1: Oh, that's upsetting.
0: Well, get on it. So, yeah. Um, listen to this, and then go watch it, and then listen to this again, and uh, be enlightened. Nicole, take it away.
1: Yeah, so this, uh, we're going to Southeast Asia for this movie edition, and I think this is the... F- this this,
0: is, is, yeah, this, this is the first for this area. Yeah, this is the first time. We've
1: never gone far out to south. To, to Southeast Asia, We've been to South America. I do, I do like a. Uh, I don't, I don't frequent as many Asian films as I did maybe in the early two thousands, which right. is when this film came around two thousand and five. Um, but I do like my fair share of of Asian films. Each country has its own distinct flavor. Yes, Japanese stuff tends to be very colorful, but you kind of miss what's going on because it's weird if you're not Japanese, I'm guessing.
2: Disturbingly weird. Disturbingly weird. It's a bit insular. Yeah, it
1: doesn't always (laughs) translate well. Well, which once again, (laughs) acts as
2: a good metaphor for Japan in general. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, You know, Chinese stuff tends to be very, like, epic, like, you know, thousands and thousands of people and huge sets and, you know, dynasties and very epic films. You do what you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, Hong Kong stuff tends to be more, uh, more like action- and stunt-oriented, more like wushu stuff, stuff with a lot of stunts, like Jackie Chan style. I've seen, uh, seen
2: it referred to as, as hothouse cinema.
1: Yes. And I yes. like that. I like that. <laughs>
2: I like that phrase for Hong Kong filmmaking. You
1: know, and then South Korea, it is kind of like an amalgamation of just filmmaking. Because when you watch this film, there are things that are distinctly Korean in it, but it also has a very Western feel. Like... I felt like, you know, for a a group of people that don't watch Asian films too much, this is a very accessible Asian film. Like, it moves in a very Western style, so I thought it would be a good jumping off point. Mm -hmm. I don't know how, because David, you had not seen it before. I mean, I'm certainly
0: the least, I'm certainly the least foreign trained on film. (laughs) Uh, It's certainly, it's certainly not actually American. Uh, I didn't watch either Old Boy, which is the one that most people are probably most familiar with. And that
1: one's more Asian. It has more of the kind of weird things that just don't translate as well in it.
0: But I feel like there is quite a bit of that going on in this movie as well. I mean, I could imagine, I could imagine a handful of indie directors in the States making a movie in this vein, Um, but there is something about the strong, silent scenery of this film that is not American at all.
1: Oh, yeah, yes.
0: Its use of dialogue in particular is very different. There's a lot more narration going on than we permit in movies anymore, mm-hmm. um, which, I don't know, I can take it or leave it on that particular, not not specifically regarding this movie. Narration in general, though, seems to have the authoritative <laughs> voice, maybe, I guess, we don't trust anymore. Right. And this movie does have one, um, even if it is. Theoretically involved. It's not a detached narrator, and it's not—I don't know—it's not unreliable. No, it's, it's telling it, you what's going it's, on. It's I, I reliable,
1: wanna... but it, it changes as the scene, as the uh, as the movie changes. Yes, yeah, certainly yeah. not detached. Um, because this movie, this movie has a, a a very significant progression. So let's let's jump into it. This movie stars a woman. I guess I'm gonna screw up this name here because it's very very Korean. Something to the effect of like Joong-ya. Um, but we can call her Jem for the sake of our American very audience. Very nice, her Gem, Yeah. Yes. Good yes. Save. So our main character <laughs> is Jem, and uh, she mm-hmm. is a woman who, right at the beginning of the movie, is being released from prison, mm-hmm. and this kind of sets up the stage. Like we know, we are watching something that's completely out of our cultural realm because this very f- opening scene, and it's very light and airy, and Jem is very beautiful and angelic looking. And there's all these people waiting outside the prison, and they're all handing huge plates of tofu to the prisoners that are being released. And mm-hmm. all the prisoners are eating this tofu. And it is a symbol of purity, and it is supposed to be like an oath that says that they will live white now mm-hmm. that they've been released from prison and done their time. Yeah, Correct, it's yeah.
0: Exceptionally traditionalist foot to start this yes. movie out yeah, And on.
1: what's funny is, and they don't, it's just like a block of tofu, and a lot of them just pick the plate up and eat it with their mouths, like yeah. dogs. Like, they don't even, no utensils, you know, they're just, they're just like chomping into this tofu. Right. And Jem comes out, she meets the group of individuals that are waiting for her, which is like a volunteer church group. They're all dressed as Santa Claus, and there's a very creepy... <laughs> The preacher guy is very creepy. Yeah,
0: except for mutton chop. Yeah, he almost. Has
1: really bad page boy haircut. And he has the plate of tofu for her, and he presents it to her, and he's like, live white. Mm-hmm. And she fucking knocks that shit on the floor right. because Bang. she's got an agenda. She just spent 13 years in jail mm-hmm. exacting this plan, and she has shit to do. That's right. And that's how we get this movie started. Absolutely. Um. So while we were all watching this, and especially at the beginning, like I said, because this movie this movie takes on, you know, it, it, it develops as it goes on. It has a very different feel in the beginning than it does as it starts moving towards the end. And in the beginning of this film, a lot of people felt it was very Wes Anderson in its aesthetics and mm-hmm. its design and its costuming and just the way everything was like laid out. Here.
0: Yeah. Well, there was Wes Anderson is famous for being an auteur in the independent scene of films. And the way that that comes across is in the layouts of things because Wes Anderson is not a great artist. He does a lot of boxy design mm-hmm. and that shows through in his staging, in the props. Like there's a lot of straight lines and flat angles in Wes Anderson films. And when they switch between people, they do dead center looking at one person, then zooming to the other person. And when they try to show two people in one scene, there's one on the left and one on the right, and they're looking straight at like extremely distinctive.
1: Yeah. And even down to, you know, so, so as we work through this movie, the, the Wes Anderson uses like kind of costumes on his characters Mm -hmm. and all our characters here kind of have a distinct costume, you know, gems starts out in a, kind of shabby looking 70s dress cuz she just She's got, got the out She got polka dots. Yeah, the polka dots and stuff. And you know like the the prisoners in the uh uh the the women in the prison, they have like a very distinct like, you know, denim dress that they wear the whole time. It's like
2: quilted. Yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's like a blue it's... outfit but it has like yellow walls. And so, you know, the I think where the the associations we're getting with like Wes Anderson you know, is in, is in the use of colors, specifically primary colors. Yes, yeah.
1: and, and Pepto-Bismol pink, like yeah. the prison, everything is pink. Well,
2: And her distinctive eyeshadow, you know, like, very broad, you know, yeah. Asian face with, and then, you know, a lot of distance between the eye and the eyebrow. And and, and um, Jim, you know, smears this red yes. uh, eyeshadow, which then comes to represent more of, of her character than anything else through it as she changes outfits a lot of the time. Um... You know also I, I, David mentioned the framing that yes, the, the kind of symmetrical way in which things are framed in this kind of like middle like beginning third of the film, uh, the music has this
1: classical oh, yeah. very, the music whimsical kind of approach to it yes. yeah, we get into like harpsichord, like a harpsichord piece, I think yeah. intros this, so there's um you know right off the bat we get we get like some really good aesthetics, and there's like a really fun feel to this film absolutely um, you know, it's very visually appealing, it was definitely you know. Like I said, I don't I don't know how how influential you know Wes Anderson is on Korean filmmakers and uh, vice versa. By that point, I have to imagine. But I'd imagine that he's seen a Wes Anderson film or two. It you know? seems likely. Well,
2: to I mean, one of the things I think also, apart from we talked, you know, framing, um, colors. Uh, you mentioned uh, characters as well as the production design of, of the, each one each character having like a kind of representation yeah, each, uh, each a visual char- representation. representation of
1: themselves yeah um,
2: but also to, to the uh the editing uh the way that the story is told in the kind of this beginning third is you know we we like i said we start in the, in a sense the the present day of the narrative and then the almost the you know through the rest of the film but primarily in that first third is basically told through uh flashback you know, picking up each of the specific points of the story into the second third, yeah, and the editing. I mean, it really reminded me of like uh, like Royal Tenenbaums, where yeah. you know, the first thirty forty five minutes of that film is this flash. You know, hit the story flash backwards, hit, do a little bit more of the story flash and then backwards context, and narration, context. and yep. and it just you know, it reminded me a lot of that as well, and I definitely had an influence on it, but and. It just had a little bit of that kind of like Deft Anderson touch as well. To well, where like
1: I said, the, the stylizations like very, it's very pinpointed and it's like very, like it has an aesthetic to it that's very distinct.
0: Yeah, and distinctly. Yes, Anderson. But yes. <laughs> yeah. but and it has the, a little bit the, of whimsy too. I yeah. mean, it's not
2: like the gravity of it isn't exactly like full on. Oh yeah, to well, and, and well. in
0: particular, it is missing a lot of the preciousness of Wes Anderson. It doesn't feel like it. it
1: it, no, it's, it's, it's not, broods, not as heartwarming. It
0: broods rather than like lingers the way, <laughs> I mean, that's the shittiest comparison <laughs> contrast I could have come up with. But anyone who's seen both of these, and I know this is totally my job as a critic is to actually explain what the difference is. But that vibe is absolutely there. No,
1: we don't have a, as heartwarming of a vibe from this no. film. Well, it
0: is Asian yes. cinema. Well, I mean, like, heartwarming is, so, is not really what so Asian let's, cinema so is known for. So let's jump into
1: it. And what's funny is, is the heartwarming... Also, Royal Tenenbaums being
0: 01 and this movie being 05, yes. perfectly reasonable to believe.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll buy that one. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into... Now, this. the first part of this movie has a very artificial uh, kind of sweetness to it. Um, and this is not uncommon for Asian films either to have kind of... You know, they start sweet, and then they turn a little sour and salty by the end.
2: What <laughs> a balance um, of flavor on the tongue, so, emotionally so sticking. So Jen
1: gets out of prison, and we go through the first third of the film, which is basically her reconnecting with all of these ladies that she was in prison with. And she has a scheme, and basically she is using all of these other women that she met in prison to help her now that she is out. And through the story of flashback, we see how she became an expert manipulator in jail by presenting herself as this like this literal and ange- literally like an angelic character. Like right. she anyone who needed help, she would assist them. You know, like the one girl that was getting bullied, she poisoned the the bully for three years until it killed her. And then, you know, like, so now that girl owes her a favor. Yeah, it
0: was a lot of hyperbolic kindness.
1: Yeah, yeah like, the one girl needed a kidney in prison, and Jem actually gave her a kidney. So now that girl owes her a favor. You know, there's... Basi- one of the
2: prisoners is being insult- uh, assaulted sexually yes. by, by one of the more physically imposing one. And Jem... Slowly poisons her with bleach over this yes. period of several years. Yeah, so basically
1: she positions herself so that all these women that she knew in prison owe her and owe her big. Yeah, um, and, that- and she
0: becomes, uh, in the terminology, I don't know if it's a specifically Korean terminology, but she becomes the witch of the prison. Yes. Um, is the English word they use for it, at least. And so she is both the angel and the witch Mm -hmm. in this all-female... So basically,
1: uh, when she's doing kindness, they refer to her as an angel, but when she comes back to ask for her favor, they're like, well, we can't deny this witch. Yeah, the witch, yeah. Yeah. And Jem is, you know, really now... after, After playing the part of the angel for 13 years in prison, she is now showing us her witch. Mm-hmm. Um and that's that's kind of where where her character is developing. We also learned that she was in prison under some precarious uh, uh some precarious circumstances. Um
2: <laughs> yeah no she it, like it all like all American things, she was in prison for a crime she did not commit. Of I mean, course. And there there's a there's a wrong that has that has been done to uh Jem and I think it kind of Moves obviously, you know, if we find her motivation, like why is she why is she Lady Vengeance? Uh, because she has been been wronged, and I mean in a pretty traumatic way as well. There's um, I'll kind of set us up there. There's a a, a serial killer. Yes. of, of, of tra- Well, he's
1: a pedophile. Pedophile serial killer. Yes. Do I Mr. Bank.
2: Yeah, he <laughs> is. Um, but he is kidnapping and killing children uh, in South Korea, and uh, one of these uh, apparently he he was close to getting caught, and what he does is he essentially threatens jim to either take the rap for him uh, on this on this uh, uh kidnapping and murder of a child or he will obviously murder, murder her, her, child. Her, her child as a result and so jim um kind of strikes this bargain makes this deal uh with him and with the uh with the police investigator who will play who will come back later to um in a sense um you know take take the rap for this crime and then of course this begins the 13 year period in which she begins to contemplate and, and establish the plan of her revenge and i we gotta like i just want to <laughs> mention this there's a scene in the film where we're shown this right where we're yeah. shown you know her essentially confessing to the crime it, in a rather poor fashion yeah it's, it, fashion. It, yeah, it's <laughs> funny
1: because she's she's confessing and then there's also it's such a media hubbub that such a, like a beautiful angelic girl could have done something so terrible
2: And they make her, like, reenact the crime (laughs) of her her suffocating this this child with a dummy. And she's just
1: being fed all the facts, you know, surreptitiously by the investigator. Yeah, she goes through the process
2: of confessing. And it's so strange because, like, I mean, one of the things about Asian cinema that is kind of tough to get with is that tonally... They are a fucking shotgun blast of just insanity right yeah. there's like pieces going everywhere, you know like <laughs> is this funny? is this sad is this uh, gut wrenching? why can't it be all of it? you know like let's just let's just have this through so as this woman can you know essentially confesses to smothering this child, the scene is made virtually hilarious by the media shitstorm that's happening around her with, like, photographers flailing, taking pictures as she's poorly trying to re... Like, act
1: like she could have actually been in a position to strangle a kid. Yes. It's so strange,
2: because you're seeing... I mean, once again, the film is kind of difficult as well because this Wes Anderson whimsy and the plucking strings and the the uh, the jaunty editing that's cutting yes. back and forth. Yeah, and and...
1: especially especially during the first third of the film when we're kind of setting up her relationship with all these women, like she's she's still the angel, like going in transition right. to the witch. So everything's portrayed like a lot of times she's portrayed with like literally a halo glowing around her, mm-hmm. like she's just so yeah. angelic and good. <laughs>
2: And then, you know, as we see, her, are essentially corrupted through injustice and abuse and killing people. And we're like, I mean, i got to be honest, I was having a good time. All right? I was going through this thing. I'm having a good time. Um, but it's, like I said, it's, it's, I think it's a feature. I mean, we've watched yeah. to watch The Little Ones. I mean, you obviously, I don't think, you don't experience this a lot where you have this kind of confluence of different uh, themes and tones that are seemingly at odd. And yet Asian cinema and as well as some European cinema will try to just... Well, this Weave okay. These so, together.
1: so Mr. Uh, Chan Woo Park, I think he actually tackles this very well. One of the distinct features of his film is um, he okay, like, and I I read this, so I don't know if this was true. It was on IMDb, but evidently he likes to sit around and think think about ways that you can torture people. Mm-hmm. And I've Who noticed <laughs> that a feature in his film is often taking things that would seem really uncomfortable, like mm-hmm. torture scenes, or like this. This like ridiculous, like uh, you know, publicity circus about this girl acting like she's killing this kid, you know, like, and he will he will drive them up so far that like at first you're uncomfortable by it, but he 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 amps it up so much that it then becomes comical because that's the only way that you can cope with it. Yes, there's a specific uh, scene in Mr. Vengeance, which is the first of these revenge trilogies, where there's this person getting tortured, and at first it's cringe, and you're cringing, and you're cringing. But the scene goes on so long that by the end of it, you're laughing hysterically because you're, your mind can only, like, process bad things so much before they kind of start making light to him. And he does have that touch where he takes very cringeworthy stuff, and it almost starts looking like it's fun uh, yes. by the end of it. Well, it, <sighs> it
0: also – it to some degree, I feel like that ties into – and I, I can't speak to the cultural divide here, but in American cinema – When things get rough that way, the American way of dealing with that is humor. Mm -hmm. And in American movies, we're always given an out. We're always given a release valve if something serious happens. A side character will make a comment Mm -hmm. that allows us to sort of escape the scene if necessary. And we generally take it. Mm -hmm. So when that's not available here, we have to provide it. And at some point spontaneously along the way of not being let off the hook, to use Ryan's term for it, I think, when we were talking about wages of fear, Mm -hmm. um, we just force it upon ourselves to add that element back into it. So I
1: would like to – so on this very first leg of this journey for her revenge, Jem goes and visits the parents of the child that she (laughs) basically said – you know, she confessed that to. she confessed to the killing. Yeah, and let me let me just play this scene out for you for a little bit. There's two old, you know, kind of frail-looking, you know, run-down Korean uh, couple, individual yeah. couple, couple. Yeah. and then there's Jem with a knife and her finger, and she basically tells them, "I want to I want to atone yes. for what I have done to you," and she slices her pinky off, <laughs> uh, like, and they're in the living room in uh-huh. this really nice house. And this scene just goes ballistic after that. There is blood everywhere. Copious the couple blood. is just, like, white and don't know what to do. They're trying to stop her because right after this, she tries to cut another finger off because she's mm-hmm. committed to cutting off as many fingers as it takes to atone for what she has done to these people. <laughs> and then the wife is, like, on the phone going to 911 going, "Somebody, A finger was cut off! Yeah. A finger was cut off! And it's just... It's just chaos. Mm-hmm. And it's also like terrifying because like she's like putting her finger in her mouth and she's like bleeding and yeah. white. Oh, and, and it's it's like a horrific yet comical scene. And, and nothing... this is how we get this is how we get this story kicked off. And, yeah.
0: And there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing at a primary level that is. Funny about anything that's happening. No,
1: and the scene is a serious scene because she's trying to atone for basically the loss of this couple's son. Like right. she's doing this in all seriousness. Yeah, there's no
0: comic relief to yeah. it. Yeah, there's no. It's <laughs> but you you have to laugh. Yes. Yeah. Like, you just don't and, have a choice. No,
2: and it's it's funny too because the way he, I think the the director kind of straddles this line, and I think once again it's 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 like you said in in American cinema, it seems that like. Like the director needs to tell us that, you know, here's the punt here, you know, this is an intense situation. You know, some severe violence has happened. Here's a punchline. Let's kind of move on from this. He does you the courtesy of allowing you the out. You don't have yeah, to exactly. find the out yeah. yourself. Yeah. And, and but Chenwuk Park, I mean, he I think he invites it. He doesn't give you the punchline to the to what's going on here. But by the end, you know, if you find yourself laughing at the end of the scene. You you don't feel like there's no guilt for it. You know you're not like oh did I misread this thing? You're like no, this is funny. Like like, I'm just
1: (laughs) I'm just trying to I'm just trying to cope with this. Yeah, like (laughs) no
2: this this could be funny, and in fact I think it is. It's it's one of the things where. You know, usually when something, you know, is a a, a dark, depressing story, right, there's there's all the signals to kind of match it, right? There's a subdued tone. You don't have bright colors happening. The camera work might, you know, the editing might slow down to show the gravity. No, this is still bopping around, bright colors, white dress, red blood, finger on the Mm -hmm. counter, you know, like, this is, like, all happening at the same pace when we're kind of being introduced to a story and, you know, like I said, like, kind of enjoying the fact that she's poisoning a woman to death for two years but with bleach you know like this all kind of has this like i said like this like wes anderson like <laughs> whimsical tone to it you know which once again is still, i think enjoyable part of the enjoyable fact of this movie too Certainly. and I, I think as well what you mentioned also very unique to the way that the director uh park chan wook can you know like i said straddle that balance yeah because a lot of filmmakers miss you know you make a misstep on something uh precarious that you're trying to Balance between, and you go over. You, you fail can fall into self seriousness, yes. yes, pretty hard, yes. But he keeps that. He keeps that
0: going. So yes, he does. All right.
1: Yes. Okay. So you know. So so that kind of sets us up. So we're still in this whimsy phase. She's trying to atone for the you know the child she you know confessed to the murder of. Um, you know, there's a lot going on. She's reconnecting with all her prison buddies who all owe her favors, and. I don't know if I'm missing anything before this. Oh, and we do have, you know, we got to throw a wrench at it that she does find out where the child that was, you know, basic her child, which, you know, was basically put on ransom for her to confess to this. She does find out the location of said child. And she's been adopted. She's been adopted out by some Australians. (laughs) (laughs) So so this movie takes a fun turn away from the planning. Uh, It takes a fun trip to Australia. And this scene in particular, I, I don't – is this going to be hard to explain? Because I don't know exactly what the director was thinking about the way he approached this scene. But it is odd and I don't quite understand it. But I do enjoy it because it's, it's fucking wacky. Well, it's it, – <laughs> it, by
0: being not merely like divorced from what's going on but geographically nowhere near the action – of the rest of the movie, the Australia scene starts out with Jem just having dinner Mm -hmm. and having a ball talking about and reminiscing about a childhood that she didn't get to witness. Yeah,
1: well, like, at first she starts out and she's just talking to these people and they're, like, two Australians. They don't understand anything she's saying. They don't understand... You know, Jem doesn't understand. There's no communication here. But, yeah, like... She's not only having a ball like the next scene is them all at a dinner table and there's like a bottle of whiskey and they are laughing so hysterically yeah that they're like literally falling off their chairs yeah. it's it is the it's the complete opposite that you would expect if like you know like someone came and said oh I want to see my kid that you adopted a long time ago and they're years like ago, yeah. they're <laughs> like oh but I love this child like the last thing you would expect is like the next scene to be people just fucking laughing to the point where they're falling off chairs, right. even though neither sides of the table really understand each other. No, no, it's at all. it's a bizarre little interlude. Well, and, <laughs> and uh, can I, can I yep. how the, how the scene ends as yes, well? Yes, you can yeah. take it off. Yeah, so here's so, how we wrap this up. So,
2: <laughs> so the daughter we see in these scenes where the Australian adoptive parents and Joan are are, are laughing back and forth, but then we see the daughter clearly has a desire to at least spend time with, with Jem in, in her homeland, yeah, if you will, in South Korea. Yeah, she questions about Korea. So, you know, cut to them laughing hysterically to the daughter in the middle of the room with a knife to her own throat, basically <laughs> demanding to go home with Jem. And Jem is like, no, you know, like...
1: I'm in the middle of yeah, some I've shit got, right I've, now. I'm Lady
2: Vengeance. <clears throat> I've got a plan, <laughs> and you are not a part of this thing. But it, once again, like, to where we go to, like... A clearly awkward scene where a foreign woman is going to an Australian couple to talk to her daughter, to them laughing hysterically, whiskey drunk, to the daughter holding threatening yeah, suicide threatening, threatening with, with the a kitchen knife group through her going, throat.
1: I want to go with like I mean,
2: it's all in the span of ninety seconds. Yeah, I mean, that's
1: some effective
2: <laughs> and dynamic storytelling, if I do say so myself. But it's I think once again, if there's a charm to this thing, I mean, and if there also if there is a departure point to Wes Anderson. You know, this is clearly yes. I think, part of that case as yes. well. Where so this becomes very park Wookian, if you will. Yes,
1: yes. So so at this point and and yes, the daughter after the stunt with the knife to her throat does get her way. Jem <laughs> does bring her back to South Korea yeah. with her.
0: There's clearly some <laughs> uh hereditary makeup going yeah. on here. Oh, and also too, like
2: I so I like foreign cinema, you know, but like one of the more interesting things about watching foreign cinema or movies made by other cultures and is that when you see your own culture kind of reflected yeah. in other cinema <laughs> and like his vision of like this, like. You know, postcard, comic book, Australian
0: family. Yeah, it's like super
1: oh, yeah. white, yeah, just like, middle class.
0: No, that's exactly, that's my favorite guy in Snatch, yes. is yeah. the New York Jew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is just such a good portrayal of America. So there's some, there's some
2: other good stuff, too. I'm I Just as, as an aside, I, I think I might want to choose one of these. But um, some German directors, uh, Wim Wenders and Werner Herzog, they oh, come Herzog. to America in the 70s and 80s, and they make... <laughs> They they make German films in America, and they have this very cool, pers- like very cool take on American society when like they from outsiders who yeah. come here, and it's it's funny because you know there's a way that they kind of like like or enjoy like they want to they want to present it in a good way, but yet their conception or the way they see it is so divorced from how we see ourselves. Yeah. It's always fun, I think, to see foreign cinema and not just see a window into another culture, but what we're seeing are you know, representations of how people in that culture present per- themselves. Yeah,
1: or perceive other yeah. cultures.
2: Because we see it as like, you know, like it's an in-family joke, right? You're allowed to make fun of your, you know, your own family members, <laughs> but if someone else makes fun of them, you know, now we're not a problem. <laughs> so when we watch cinema, you know, we're seeing, you know, our people talk about us. and it's I think it's always interesting and 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 part of the fun or challenge of, of watching foreign films is seeing the same kind of representation going on with people who are different from you. And yes. it's usually, I think, you know, it clicked in for me when I'm like, this is hilarious how other people see Americans. You know, yeah. Like, uh, yeah well, but like...
0: there's that catharsis is all over the place. I mean, Tarantino actually talked about when he was making Inglorious Bastards that um, the Germans have been waiting for someone to make Inglorious Bastards for uh, many, many years, right? Because it's the first film the Germans get to laugh about, yeah. Right, regarding <laughs> World War II, yeah. Um, because even though they're per- because the way that they're portrayed, they're practically victimized, but they're victimized. For being assholes, yes. so they have like this cycle of like, and it apparently like Tarantino you know, had a a uh, interview about this at one point, uh, like the number of people like thanking him for portraying <laughs> the Germans this way, yeah,
1: like it's, it's like it's like long enough, yeah, long enough is past that you can laugh at yourself a little bit. Well,
0: and also too, there's a kind of dichotomy or
2: distinction between like the personalities, like the villains who are Germans, and then like.
0: Germans who are Germans, yeah, you know, like the diff- the walk the uh, work a day. Yeah, exactly. the privates through the sergeants who have nothing to do with it. Yeah. Like, and, th- and they set it up at the very front. It's like, don't get us wrong. These people are horrible. Yeah. But maybe not all of them. <laughs> yeah. And maybe not.
2: Like, I just, the, no, it's, uh, well, that, um, that, that, the bar scene where they have that famous game yeah. they play. Yeah. It's uh, like, that's, I think that's very good in the way. You know, it portrays French, the Americans, the Germans. You know, everyone's in that bar represented. I've
1: always liked, and I think I've mentioned this before, but yeah, I do like, oh, I mentioned it during Wages of Fears because I do like films where like you have different cultures involved, like Mm -hmm. multiple languages are being spoken and stuff. And that's, you know, in this case too, because uh, Jenny speaks only English Mm -hmm. and, you know, obviously her two Australian parents only speak English. Mm -hmm. And then, but because this is a Korean film, nobody in the movie understands any of them. Yeah. There's only one guy that can, does have some knowledge of English, and mm-hmm. it is Mr. Back, and we will get back to that. Yes. <laughs> so, so, so Jenny is now in South Korea with Jem, and Jem has to kind of take her along. Balance
2: this whole. On,
1: uh, you know, because she's still knee deep in this revenge plan. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of the point where the, the Wes Anderson-ness of this actually starts to, uh. Like the movie starts to get bleaker. Like the color it starts palette
0: Dutch angling. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it it does. The color palette starts going down. Gem starts wearing darker clothing. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: the sets don't aren't on as vibrantly.
2: Uh, Stuff. Uh, uh, it it starts to
1: snow, so there's a gloomier like feel. Mm-hmm. To, basically, like everything starts to to move kind of a darker path like uh, there's also slowly.
0: apparently beyond just doing that in a more general aesthetic sense there was <coughs> there was a separate version of this movie released. yes mm-hmm. there called was the fade to black and white version where it literally just turns monochromatic by the time the movie ends mm-hmm. Um which uh, for the most part it seems like an overdone attempt at that trope because the movie already moves that, that
1: was, way okay so uh, think of like Sin City, I guess like that. Yeah. Where you know he was kind of inspired by that, so it yeah. was supposed to give it up a little bit more of like a Sin City feel.
2: Yeah, and it and it. And I
1: had trouble trying to find that because after you'd mentioned that, I did look and I could not find a copy of that one.
2: Well, and like, well, we, gotta sh- we should say too that you know, ten years ago, fifteen years yeah. ago, when we were watching a lot of Asian films, um, you know, this is all pre torrent culture yeah, as well I used, like we used to get these like I used to go to an Burke Asian and... store. Yeah, you yeah. to go
1: to an Asian store and I used to to, to buy like bootleg copies of these movies so that mm-hmm. I could see them because that was really the the easiest way to, it's to do It's the only it way. Then. They, they yeah. just weren't
2: released and uh, you know like they just weren't released well, remember, limited release meant well, something. Well, yeah.
1: and even even the stuff that did get released like you know Old Boy came to the Enzion but I already had my bootleg copy and had watched that movie like many years. times. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was almost it was it was, it was, it was almost a year after I had my bootleg copy that the Enzion played that movie.
2: Well, and it was difficult, too, because um, for one thing, it would be released, but it would be released in different regions, right? So you'd get, yeah. like, you know, like, the Hong Kong release is, like, an Asian, re- you know, and then the, you get, a, like, a bootleg English or, or French version, but then, you know, but then also, too. But,
1: yeah, your, your DVD then wasn't coded the right
2: way. <laughs> or you'd get it, and it would, like, you'd, like, go to the Asian store, and they're, like... English subtitle, like, English, English! And then you have to take them back, and it was like, it was Italian and Russian (laughs) subtitles, man. Like, this isn't... No English. So close. No copy, you know, like... But, I mean, just... I'm mean, reminiscing here a little yeah. bit about the trials and <laughs>
0: tribulations of actually having to buy a physical yeah, fucking we, we copy of Yeah, we used to have to work
1: to be able to take in this kind of fine cinema. Yeah.
0: But you know, I, it was I like... only know that through video games. There are <laughs> yes, some yeah. there are instances where that ended up playing a role if you wanted to play something particularly Japanese or the European market got it first. Yeah, there's mm. a there's a really really good gif floating around of uh, beating region encoding on a PlayStation One, where a guy <laughs> puts a disc into the machine, mm-hmm. waits for the Logo for the PS One to turn on, and then frantically opens and ejects the CD and puts the other one in because uh-huh. that beats the encoding. Oh, very good.
1: <laughs> I, okay, that's a, I, that's a I, skill set. I, I used to have to do stuff like that with my because I used to watch my uh, DVDs on the the PS and um, certain like UK coded ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to be able to like yeah, play the with them locking. till I could get till I could yeah. get them to play. Yeah, that's yeah. the
0: term region locking. Yeah. Term. So yeah, but.
2: But once again, like the trials and
0: tribulations yeah. of this kind yeah, of going through. Yeah, like, we actually
1: it. had to work pretty hard to be able to take in these kind of movies to be cultured, back in the man. day. It was I, like know. The effort, I know, making
0: extra effort. I know, like, to earn it. Yeah. I'm telling
1: you. So, um, okay, so I guess we could kind of start talking about the meat of this movie because, like,
2: they're going to introduce Mr. Baker, or Bach,
1: or whatever. Yeah, I was going to yeah, okay, say, yeah. let's start introducing. So here's here's our 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 scheme here. You know, like I said, we're putting the team together, which <laughs> which happens in these movies. We've got the kids, so it's a little bit of a uh, you know, it, it's a little bit extra baggage, but, you know, you got to deal with it. Need a monkey wrench. So now we got Mr. Bach. Now, Mr. Bach teaches English in affluent neighborhoods, but he hates children. Yes.
0: He has my favorite intro <laughs> of any character I can think of. Mm-hmm. Just this, this movie every once in a while when it's uh, when it goes back to the Wes Anderson, but in the uh, second half of the film and I mentioned this when we were watching, it's like, it looks like a Clariton commercial. (laughs) Like, just the vibrancy of the colors. And the way that Mr. Bach is introduced, he is singing a song, and he's, like, clapping along with the kids. It's just, it's him with these green, absurd, like, monstrosities that you would only find in a preschool for the overprivileged. There's these
1: weird green chairs and yellow tables. And it's just him,
0: and he's got like this sort of placid smile on his face, and then it immediately cuts in the middle of this song where he's going, it's like, where is mother? And then it just cuts to him in his drab little apartment, like dead eyes staring forward. It is beautiful. Yes,
1: Mm. yes. Okay, so... Uh, he doesn't b- like kids no, he doesn't <laughs> he does not like kids and uh he is he is with a woman currently that he does not realize is one of gem's you know women that over her family. yeah, part of the part team b team so uh, she spent a lot of time, you know, positioning herself to get to get people that know what he's up to and she also, and I don't know what the gun laws are in South Korea, because there's only two gun situations in this movie. One is in a flashback to a robbery, and it looks like they made guns out of cardboard for that scene. Yeah, a mm-hmm. little um, bit. So, uh, you know. I imagine
0: they're strict.
1: Yeah, there must be something there. The other gun is the one that Jem has made for her, and she gets these This gun pattern, it's like a very old, very simple, like, metalworks thing that she gets from a North Korean spy that's about, like, 80 years old. With Alzheimer's. So we've got to assume that this is a very old design. But anyway, (laughs) she has this made by, you know, one of the people that owes her a favor. So she is is armed, and her intention is to basically position herself to shoot Mr. Bach. And, of course, things don't always go as planned. Yeah, you, know. you know you know the uh the the, the wonderful page cut Christian missionary guy that offered her the tofu at the beginning he doesn't like how Jem is acting he doesn't like the red eyeshadow, he doesn't like her despondent attitude she doesn't
0: like be- that she's not coming to church yeah she's yeah, not, not coming to church he
1: feels very betrayed by this angel that he knew in prison and he uh he basically and this is you know because he's just as big of a stalker as everyone else he brings a a a complete photo album full of photographs of everything she's been doing to Mr. Bach to show that, you know, the woman that you're with is basically a plant, you know, that you all these people that you've been that have been around you mm-hmm. are feeding information to Jem. I mean, he basically just kind of blows this whole plan for her because he feels betrayed that she is, you know, not Coming to his church anymore, right. and for
0: what it's worth, I from this from just the composition, I don't know if it's made explicit, but I, this uh, this I'll call him the priest because that's yeah that's w- the way that I was imagining the minister,
1: him the chaplain. Um, it seems
0: quite likely that he was another pawn in Jem's game to get back at Mister Bach from the inside, and it's merely and he is merely the one who retaliates for being used in a way that the rest of her friends did not i mean a couple of them are a little bitter about it um, the- she
1: does ask them to do some pretty steep stuff. I mean, this girl that had to hook up with Mr. Bach was basically, you know, in an abusive relationship for however, with a pedophile serial, with a killer. Pedophile serial killer for whoever knows how long, you know, just so that Jem could, you know, position herself to be able to shoot him to when she got out. Yeah. it. I mean, she's, she's not asking small things from these people. Mm-hmm. No. Um, but, but what this happens is so, so when, uh, Jem's about to take her revenge, Fox already onto it and he foils the plan. You know, he beats the shit out of the, uh, the, the plant girlfriend. He hires two thugs to take Jem out at the bottom of the house. Cause he knows that they're both in She's cahoots together. She's yeah. together. Yeah. Um, what he doesn't know is that his food has been poisoned.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't account for everything.
1: So after, uh, after after uh, an altercation in the streets with these two thugs, this is when Jem, like, we really see the darkness. Like, she is willing to go all the way because she shoots one guy point blank in the face and the other guy, she shoots his hand off because, you know, she, he's got the kid. And uh, this is when we really see, like, she, she is going to take out anybody that is in her way. Mm-hmm. Like, and by this time, she's no longer wearing bright, nice colors. She's wearing a black trench coat, with a really high neck. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is she is now the witch. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um
0: she has transformed.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <Metimal
1: response. laughs> yeah. Uh so, so they go and find Mr. Bach, who's been passed out because they poisoned his food. And she takes him out to a little remote, it's like a an abandoned school. Yeah. It looks um, like
0: an abandoned elementary.
1: You know, out school. in the out in the woods. And she's going to put him there, tie him up. And this is basically where she thinks she can exact her revenge. You know, yep. she, can, she can shoot him out here. Nobody's going to notice. She could bury him in the woods. Nobody's going to know. We're good to go. But that's not dark enough because this is a Korean film. <laughs> while she's, you know, while we're doing the, you know, the expository, why did you do this? What do you, you know, she's got him tied up. We want answers. You know, we're going through all this. She pretends to shoot him a couple times. She discovers that his cell phone has these little tokens from all of the kids that he has killed.
2: Yeah, she notices it because there's a, a particular token that she... Yes, that was well, significant in one, her case. Yes, exactly, on this. And then we see the reveal that not only is that 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 object on the keychain, but then there are more objects as well. And the, and the, yeah. the overall perspective of, of who Mr. Bach is and what he has done, I think, is revealed to her that, you know, he has not... Taken only from her. Yes. And this kind of changes her This is changed on this. because
1: what this revenge was about her and when she sees this, she realizes that this is evidence for I mean, there is there is now a whole group of people that are gonna want revenge mm-hmm. in the same way that she does. Like she has her evidence now against him. So she like she's she's got yep. the upper hand now.
0: And she also, on retainer, part of the reason we even know about, the marble is the token that she uh, specifically relates to. Also, the reveal of those other tokens is very good. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's just because it's got the one point of sentimental value and then the rest of them, there's like a little green ring.
1: There's a button. And there's, oh, yeah, man.
0: It's yeah. just, it's, you're like, shit. Connecting the
1: dots You see them all like charms and you're like, oh my God, this guy's been keeping busy. Okay. Um,
0: <laughs> but But she has someone on retainer um, she has a detective, which is where uh, we learn about the marble in the first place. There's a detective that was skeptical from the start that she ever committed the crimes. Uh, he was on her case, but he couldn't prove that anyone else was involved because Jem kept her mouth shut. Yeah. Or actually more than kept her mouth shut, she confessed to him. Yes. It. Um, And now that they have this detective in tow... um. They make some calls. (laughs) They do some investigative work at Mr. Box apartment and they find
1: uh, some tapes. Yes. Yes. And uh, so this is so this is fun. So what was supposed to be Jem's revenge now becomes the parents of all of these children's. Yeah. The tapes have the murders of the the tapes. Well, the tapes. Yeah. The tapes. She like learns the whole process. So it's like not only does he have like these charms and he's killing kids. He's also recording them. Before he kills them, he's recording them while they're crying so that he can play that to the parents and get ransom money.
0: Specifically, the audio yes. of those videos, mm-hmm. because the part that he doesn't uh, reveal to the rest of them are that these are all snuff films.
1: Yes, because he he kills the children way before he calls the parents and plays yeah. the the audio for them. You know, and you know. The reason he's doing all this is because he needs money to buy a yacht.
2: Yeah, he's ransoming them. Yes, to buy a to fucking, earn money
1: to, to buy, buy a, a yacht. fucking boat. Yeah, because he fucking hates kids, anyways.
0: You know, I, I like I like how blasé <laughs> that reveal is. Like we're not even given an explanation of how Jem might know that he wants a yacht. She just kind of says it, yeah. in the middle of a room full of parents who have now been congregated. Oh, yes. So,
1: so now that, so you know, now that there's kind of more at play and more has been opened up, Jem gathers all the parents of these killed children, and she gathers them at the school where Mister Box tied up, mm-hmm. and she makes a little preposition to them. Well, can,
2: <laughs> can, can I can I maybe like lead up lead up before yeah. this? Um, one of my favorite moments of the of the film is when. Um, She she plays the tapes back. She has she has the the parents in the in the classroom. Yeah, she's conjugating. Oh, listen, I'm walking it back. That's right. Okay, good. Yeah, okay, yeah. 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 So she she plays these tapes in front of them, and you got to realize that once again, talking about the tonality of this film. um, Once again, we we know what we're what is being presented to us, right? These children's last moments, and these children are terrified in this tape. I mean, it's really very effective filmmaking where you see. These videos being played back, in these, you know, seven-year-old, five-year-old, however old, they're children. all like
1: bound and they're crying, crying mommy, you yeah. know, like please in come and, and get me. And stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like
2: in it, and I got to say, one of the most effective moments overall is we are we watch we we're, we're, we see the parent reactions, right? So he the the director scans the faces of the parents. We're now like th- two or three or four tapes in, and then we. We get a sustained shot of what's actually being shown on the tape. And we see the child, like I said, with a noose around, around their neck, uh, standing on something. And we see Mr. Bach's, the back of his head. Yeah. And one of the most effective things is, is that after like three or four minutes of like hearing this crying and seeing the scene, Mr. Bach has positioned the camera. He's got the child in front of him. And we see him violently go to kick the chair the out. The chair out from and under him. What, and what does the director do? He fucking pans or quick cuts back to the parent. Failing, falling out of her, Under, out of the chair. Yeah. It is such a good and effective <laughs> scene where, you know, this... The And then the parent fucking breaks down and loses it. And you see the kind of emotional climax of the scene happen. Well, and, every- and it is exquisitely fucking And it's a timed. dark
1: scene. I mean, everybody is dressed in black. Like I said, we don't have any of the color. It's a,
2: it's a brown, dilapidated yeah, school building. I mean, it's, no one it's is thrilled to be it there. It is
1: dark, and it is gloomy. White faces,
2: black clothing, brown-gray yeah. exteriors, and then children
1: well,
0: being tortured to death
1: yeah, on the well, screen. Yeah. Like,
0: it is as dark as it seems. <laughs> and this will be maybe an odd analog, but the only other movie that immediately comes to mind that... Uh, fits in with the way that this was filmed aesthetically is a crank right um in in crank high voltage there is a scene where someone graphically gets a nipple cut off right
1: oh they stole that from ichi the killer
0: that's fine <laughs> they then asian they, japanese that's <laughs> to, <laughs> totally understandable um and they want they like they don't merely like have this happen they just they show that the whole time right. and then Once we get the exasperation and the deed is done, the crime boss goes, the other one. Yeah. And we assume out of hand that we're going to have to endure another 15 to 20 seconds of the other one. Because everywhere else in the movie, the point is hammered home. Yes, And in this film, we know that this scene is going to be horrible. And we know that the director is willing to drag things out. Yes, And we know that we're going to have to watch... All the tapes, and we know how many there are, yeah, so if the first one's bad, the next one's going to be bad, mm-hmm. and the next one's going to be bad, and the next and it's it compounds with that again. there's no release, mm-hmm. it's just going and going and then and, going. and then the
1: final touch is that what is going on in this room with the parents and the tapes it, There is a microphone running from it to Mr. Box so that he can hear what is going down in that room yeah. and basically listen to what is going, what his fate is going to end up being.
2: Yes. Because the parents, because, you know, Jem is essentially going to say, well, I have him. Yeah. Right? And, I have the person and, who's done this. And to she's you. like,
1: I was going to kill him, but I, I will let us all get our revenge. Yes. Uh, if that is what you choose or because she is working with the, the cop. She does say that, she will allow them to turn him over to the investigator if they want legal like if they want to do this legally right. but you know but basically she gives them two options you turn him over or we're all going to exact our revenge in our own personal ways and
0: <laughs> and this and then the movie it, it this feels like it should be the end of the movie there's another like 20 minutes yes after this where the movie Essentially, becomes twelve angry the twelve angry men of vigilante justice. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> where they're all trying to decide and come to a consensus about what they're going to do, whether they're going to take turns, whether they're all going to do oh, it at once, who gets to go, who
1: first? gets to go first. And it's great. <laughs> and so, you know, when and of course, you know, for the sake of this movie making, we do have to decide that everyone can exact their own personal justice right now. And well, actually, before I get to that, it's good because. They do bring up the quick point where it's like, well, you know, this could incriminate us or something. And (laughs) Jem basically looks at him and goes, in prison, I killed people. Mm -hmm. Anybody want to talk about this to anyone else after this goes down? Mm -hmm. She's like, you get the picture yeah. like she's not playing. oh yeah, no. Playing. she's like yeah. i
0: killed in prison and i found this guy after 13 years yeah <laughs> and
1: i you know i was going to kill him myself well, but i'm extending this offer to you well, yeah. but,
0: and, and and there are other <laughs> there are other more placid there are other more placid reinforcement is that when they're all done at the end of all the mayhem they're all sitting around in i don't want to miss I don't want to miss the description. This is jumping a little far ahead and we can come back. But they're but they're sitting in front of a plastic tarp full of Mr. Box blood. Yeah. And they all have um tarps on themselves and they're all holding their implements. Yeah. And the detective takes a picture Picture. of all of them. (laughs)
1: Well that's okay. So before we get to that point, what's fun is 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 now we have like the group of the parents. Yeah, they're all in like rain slickers. Each one is wielding a weapon and they're all sitting on a bench. Patiently waiting for their couple of minutes <laughs> with Mister Bach. Yes, um, it's it's really charming. And each one, and we get to we have to sit through each one of them gets he, to we go with How many up, yeah. there are? Yeah. and he
0: takes his time. And he takes his
1: time. <laughs> he gives every single person their turn. And the, the best touch in this in that whole scene before we get to the fact that they're all like you know congratulatory cleaning up the blood. It's the first lady that comes in is holding her knife wrong mm-hmm. and the guy at the door shows the her yeah, the cop the cop yeah. shows her how to properly hold the knife so that it actually penetrates better and does not slip so that she does not cut herself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so yes that
2: we, d- we don't. We want to ruin it is, for you. Yeah, yeah, each one. There's, there's, there's a lot. There's some good exchanges between the, the just, between different parents. Yeah, you know the the way each one kind of has their like the initial moment of conflict yeah. with them. It's all, it's all just well done. I mean, it sounds perverse <laughs> to say it, but it does have a, a unique touch to it in the sense that you know there are, clearly people have problems with, with with this. I mean, in a sense. You know you're bound there, I mean, you can't say no when you've already you've already opened this up right, right. Yeah. like you're like you know it, it's a unanimous decision, and we'll make it unanimous, you know <laughs> like
0: we're, we're all doing one well, thing or the other here well and it's it's just it's trying to tackle in the in the absolute most hyperbolic way that it could be done i mean it's trying to tackle a really frustrating social question mm-hmm. about how far retribution can even go and right. what and to what degree it can ever be justified in in inf, in a case of infinite pain which yes. is what murder is. And what's
1: all these people are clearly suffering from because this is like I said they we get to we get to feel everybody's pain throughout this whole sequence like we go through every single party.
0: Well and on top of that <laughs> and this may specifically be this may be taken as a given from a cultural perspective but when the parents ask what did he do all this for The first, like, reflexive requires no explanation for why this would be the question. They ask, ask, he doesn't even have a kid. Yeah. Why does he need this money? As if that's the only reason he would want money. Right. Like, that's, and maybe that is specifically a cultural phenomenon, just hammering home how egregious this is Mm -hmm. and how impossible it is to pay it back. Yes. Yeah. But here's one shot at it. <laughs> well, and also, too, I think it's good that it kind
2: of separates out the, of what this is. She's not Lady Justice. You know, she is Lady vengeance. vengeance. And there's like a, you know, there's a kind of a clear distinction between the two elements that were being displayed here as well. Because I think it's almost said that, you know, you you can, he can have justice, right? Or we can have vengeance. Yeah. And I think that they, you know, they that the decision to have vengeance is kind of what has taken over this group of people here. And in the end, I mean, they each one take time slowly dismembering and killing Mr. Bach uh, yeah. through the yeah, end. And at yeah. this end, end scene, um, you know, we really... In nice, sentimental fashion. Yeah. Oh, yes, exactly. Once again, we don't want to necessarily spoil it for you since you can see this on Netflix, but it is... For a limited time. Yeah, but it is very good. And it is, once again, just really well done. As you, as you, If you're willing to go through the kind of, like you said, tonal fucking rollercoaster <laughs> that this thing <laughs> provides you with, uh, it is one of the more effective... Uh, ways in which you've kind of seen this—if you ever thought, think you've seen this kind of uh, revenge plot play out—it is a very, very good take it, on it.
1: Yeah. It, well, it's it's good to just you know, like I said, perspective-wise, like the way the way the the gory details de- you know are are presented to you and developed throughout the film, it is it is has a different feel than like a western style. Like it's definitely handled better. And I said, they get, they get There's a little, yeah, they get a little cringier with it too. Like they'll they're willing to take it to like pretty dark levels because it's like, right when you think you kind of know what's going on, it's like, oh, well she's, Gem's going to exact her and she's, you know, like we take it for a twist. It's like, no, we're going to involve like everybody. Like we're going to bring everybody's pain and misery and darkness into this. Yeah.
2: But it doesn't, doesn't belabor the, the, the,
1: no, it's just a cool the viciousness. Yeah, yeah. I Yeah. Mean,
2: Cause like you said, like. We aren't. We do, in a sense, wait through the violence of each person, and we see a snippet, or like I said, usually the initial moment of them, you know, engaging with Mister Bach. But then, you know, for the rest of their time, right, we're shown back to this hilarious fucking waiting line of people growing ever, ever more bloodier as they yeah. Yeah. each have their turn <laughs> with Mister Bach. And you know, it's it's once again, it 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 forces you to go in that moment, but it makes it a little bit more sustainable in, from most people's perspective, I would imagine, because it isn't like. You know, you're not watching them jam the ice pick into his sinuses, you know, over and over again. Like, no, we 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 allow our imagination to go on. Well, like, what is he going to do with that axe? You know, yeah. like uh, that, <laughs> hat, that particularly menacing looking hatchet. Like, no, we're going to fucking go through this thing, and you know, it, it's we're partly going to use our imagination, but at the same time, we're not going anywhere. You know, like yeah. we're gonna ha- we're gonna stay with this for a while. And um, I think it's once again, it's just effective storytelling overall, and effective cinematic. Tension that he gets out of this rather long emotional climax of the
0: the final act of vengeance. Yes, acts acts Acts. of vengeance. Agreed. Yes, the ending of this movie is certainly strong.
1: Yeah, well, and then uh, and then after you know after we take care of the box situation, there's you know there's a birthday party. There is a few more there's a few more minutes of the film where we kind of wrap stuff up. You know. Everyone gives her the account number so they can have the ransom money returned because evidently Mr. Bach never spent any of it. They have have a birthday party, Um, you know, and we do get we do get our, you know, Jem does finally atone. And, you know, in response to the tofu that she swiped off the plate at the beginning, Mm -hmm. uh, she does kind of amend that and dumps her face into a white (laughs) cake. Well, kind her of daughter
2: finally embraces her yes. because there's been. I have to say, there's been a little bit of conflict between her daughter feeling accepted by her mother yeah. again, and and with the mother wanting to keep this distance from her relationship with the child. There is this, like you said, the symbolic kind of recognition, and like you said, it is a beautiful scene where there's, you know, they're on this back street in the middle of the night. Snow begins to fall. Yeah. You know, they 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 they're, they're having a moment together with she, when she has this pure white cake. Obviously, you know, like you said, she's, snoop- you know,
1: like I said, she's now done with her plan, so mm-hmm. she's able to move on to a new chapter of her life.
0: But it's not, but because it is winter, it is not spring. Mm-hmm. This is merely the point of silence. This yes. isn't actually a po- this. We haven't hit the positive note yet. We don't know what her life is going to become. Right. We just know that she has closed the darkest chapter yes. of right. It. Um. Hence the snow. There's, no, there's no like flowers. Said, no,
1: no, no. And she's, you know, everyone's still dressed pretty darkly at that point. But you know, she does. She does go, like I said, because everyone's eating the tofu with their, with their hands, just throwing their face into it. She throws her face into a white well, cake. And, and once mm-hmm.
2: again, what this last image yes. we're left with is the is the heroine of this film burying, seemingly crying yeah. as her daughter hugs her, burying Bury herself <laughs> in this into this white cake, <laughs> this, and then it expands back. That's her hero shot with her. Uh, We haven't even gotten to the little her young lover that is following her around as well, (laughs) picking up picking up snow on his tongue. (laughs) I mean, it's a very once again, it's 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 like a fucking crazy Korean ballet. This last (laughs) scene that's going on before us, and yet once again, it is. I mean, you if if you if something was done like this in American cinema, you know, if that's like Brad Pitt catching uh, catching fucking you know, uh, uh, t- snow on his tongue and, and some American actress, you know, burying her face in a fucking pie as uh, we've seen this story. I mean, that's that's like audacious and ridiculous. Kind of, but this is like moderately standard fare yeah, for Asian yeah, cinema. Like, like, I, yeah, that
0: doesn't even stand out.
2: Yeah, this, yeah. this is the most extreme thing that happens in this film. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, I think, once again, kind of draws attention to the kind of the way in which these, the the action and and the themes and the storytelling just goes and the. the Kind of idea that once again I like to think of this, and I, I see this as this kind of bittersweet kind of an ending. You know, yeah. it, it, it has a positive feel to it, and I think we're led to believe that there definitely that that you know uh springs green shoots could be springing up, but as you said, there's no evidence to indicate that that's the case. And I think it is that kind of bittersweet. It's just silence. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and it is very bittersweet. And I it, once again, you know, it's that even kind of ambivalent, half ambivalent ending is something that's oftentimes very difficult to catch in. In, uh, in in American cinema as well. So, and overall, this thing is a, it's this a, thing is a fucking ride. It's a great movie.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, I it's, it it's a, a good movie. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's, um, you know, it's tight. Like, it, the storyline and stuff, it, it, I mean it's about 2 hours but I mean it's tight like it keeps moving it's it's got a little bit of weirdness in there just because I, I like feel I said like, it's Asian but like I
0: feel like a little bit of the Gems 11 part of it was a little flabby just because the and maybe that was just by the character of it needing flashbacks to go back and show you all the people who served time with her mm-hmm. and dealing with all that maybe that was maybe that ended up feeling a little little flabby to me but I mean it's nothing egregious Nothing on the order of, uh, say, I don't even know what to compare it to. The Hobbit. It was fine. <laughs> okay, yeah, fine.
1: The Hobbit.
0: Okay. The um, flaviest movie I mean, of all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we just want to
2: shoot fish in a barrel or something. So I got some, I got some general ideas I'd like to maybe just mention. You guys want well, to? Let's, okay. let's do it. Yeah. So, as you mentioned, that this is, uh, this is, uh, you originally titled sympathy for Lady Vengeance. Yes. You mentioned uh, two other films by the same director. All done one, two, three in a row. First is sympathy for Mister Vengeance. The second is Old Boy, and the third is Lady Vengeance. And each of these films, I do have to say, this idea of the trilogy has kind of been imposed by critics and fans alike. Um, Park Chan Wook has kind of been pretty certain, or at least very vociferous in, in interviews, to say that you know this isn't a trilogy. But clearly, the I mean, the larger theme. I mean, from a plot perspective, they're not. Yes, but the larger theme of of revenge being kind of at the core. The, you know, the, the the main driver of the drama and action in these, uh, and, and the motivation for characters, is clearly a part of each of those three mm-hmm. films. Right. And I think that there is kind of something to be said that each of them develops a core, or several core relationships, uh, based on the kind of bonds of experiencing trauma, or you know, with with someone, right? Going through something fairly harrowing, does kind of develop a relationship in a unique way, and both You know, Mr. Vengeance, Old Boy, and this one all have a kind of odd take on these kinds of bonds that are shared by people who go through similar, either trauma together or in the case of the parents in this film, all united by a a similar kind of very traumatic experience. And that there is a kind of bond that kind of forms between people as a result of these. And I think it's one of the more interesting kind of, you know, aspects in which film or, if you will, art can imitate life, where, you know, I think in our own lives that we think that. Or we look at people who are we very close with, and we oftentimes, if you you know to, to borrow a phrase, you know we might have gone through some shit with those people, yes. right? We might have been <laughs> through periods in our lives where there has been difficulty or challenges. Blood brotherhood. Well, yeah, and you know you can really tell who someone is and how much you can rely on them when you know in the you, worst of times. Yeah, when you ask for assistance or when you're in need, and they are either there for you or not, or they can either simp- uh, you know empathize and mm-hmm. and and be there with your feel- feeling uh, in the situation, or they. Simply are incapable or don't want to, right? And I think that that's an interesting kind of theme. And like I said, it's a little bit broader for what we're focusing on here, but I think it's something that we've kind of developed overall in um, in these uh, in in his in this kind of storytelling as well. So I think that's like you know, the bonds built mm-hmm. through trauma is what I have in my notes here. And I kind of mm-hmm.
0: you know I, I kind of saw this as well, a that I mean, that all the people, all the people in the film went to jail. Mm-hmm. They've all got that common experience, even if only one of. the... Oh, even if one of them was framed and the rest of them actually are there for a reason, mm-hmm. they still got that. Yeah. Being but in that, jail still sucks. Oh, yeah, no. And you don't lose your sense of
2: fucking, you know, if you've been wronged, it doesn't matter if you've been wronged in fucking jail or not. Yeah. You know? Like, how does it make it okay? Especially yeah. from your perspective. And I think you're, you're right, the, right. The the idea that people feel this trend of trauma or shared experience in the prison, obviously, is, yeah. like you said, Jim's uh, 11, if you will, and then the parents also. Um, but once again, you... And old boy. It's it's the it's the relationship between um Sue and um, and the girl that he meets, obviously. And I won't give away that game either. If you've never seen Old Boy, you fucking people. Why don't you so- see these movies? But
0: um, you know, obviously, they're kind of. I watched trauma, the American remake in twenty thirteen. Oh my god! Literally ten years later, they remade that movie.
1: Oh, I didn't even know they remade it. Spike
0: Lee remade it with Josh Brolin. Yeah. Why? Um, I couldn't tell you. Okay.
1: Okay. Well, watch. You know, watch the original. Like, yeah, it's on
0: Netflix. Yeah, it's on Netflix. I think probably until June first. Yeah. If
1: (laughs) if you want to explore some other, you know, some other Korean films, Old Boy is a good one. Uh, some people like that one better. I feel like. It doesn't quite hold up as an entire film quite as well, but it has some awesome moments in it that I really enjoy.
2: Yeah, we, we kind of talked about some yeah. of the moments in this one. I mean, there are some really high-flying pieces of execution that happen in Old Boy that are just <laughs> it's strange because you've it when you when you see kind of the the, the similar themes kind of played upon in and like especially with action movies, there's a very famous fight scene in Old yeah. Boy and you know, you. you pro- I've definitely seen iterations of it. I've kind of sworn off, especially superhero movies, but so sort of sworn off action movies for the last five, seven years or so. But even then, you could kind of see old boy kind of creeping in to the kind of, you know, realistic violence that can happen yeah. in these kinds of films also. Um, I've got another I- idea, too. Anyone want to maybe talk about this for a second? What sure. What kind of ideas okay.
1: do you have? So, Late um, on us.
2: I think one of the toughest things to kind of find um, is that there is, um, there's an idea of, like, folklore. That is kind of unique to Asian cinema. And we mentioned before about if you're trying to get into Asian cinema, you know, each one has their own kind of... Um, they all
1: have their own flavor. Yeah, their own um, flavor. And, and ghosts actually play very heavily into Asian cinema yes. in well, a lot the, of The respects. fantastical yeah. has, a,
2: has a much stronger element in Asian cinema than it does like, in ours. Like an
1: everyday kind of... It's not like a, a scary thing exclusively, though. It's almost like an everyday Like the angel of...
2: in um, that... that um, It's a Wonderful Life, right? Like, there's a there's the fantastical happens. I've never seen. It's a Wonderful Life. Jesus fucking Christ! Like, okay, so there's this Jimmy Stewart fucking film called It's a Wonderful Life, and there's a fucking angel in it. It's only one of the most. Does he save
1: the bank at the end? or something? Yeah, whatever. I mean,
2: everything works out in the end. And it's but it's a look. The end of It's a Wonderful Life is fucking great. Like with Jimmy Stewart running around, fucking and enthralled with the possibility of life, like tripping over snow and just, oh, it's fucking great. You know, like it's like it's like um. Like Scrooge's turn yeah. around in 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 Christmas Carol. That I, idea I that know
1: the basic gist. I've just never watched. Yeah, no, no, no. but you don't have to
2: either. They got Mr. Smith comes to Washington. Going to the Enzion soon. Too. Anyway, but um, but still, that that like that kind of turnaround. around. But but once again, the fantastical exists in our own shared kind of like I said, Christmas Carol, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. I mean, there's there's that. But once again, angels have their own set of rules, and it's not the you know ghosts and angels or demons aren't present in Asian cinema, but they have their own set of rules and, you know, seeing how those things are represented are there in the case, but I will find one theme that is kind of present, which is that, you know, a lot of times in folklore, there is this idea that anything that you kind of benefit from, there's always a price that you have to pay. Okay. And, you know, in this case too, you know, Jim and, and, the, and the ability to do this, you know, it comes with a certain price. And I think that in folklore, you tend to see this kind of happen on this magical level. If you want to kind of pull from a Western canon, you know, kind of talked about like, a, like Faust, you know, the Dr. Faust and the Faustian bargain where, you know, there is a price to be paid for knowledge that you gain. And it... it a lot of well, times it's,
0: it's the entire premise behind karma. Yes, exactly. It's that's our intuitive understanding of how the universe makes things right mm-hmm. shows up in mysticism all over the place. And so you think of things like Goldilocks or, you know, what have you, right? There's yeah.
2: always this idea that, you know. There's balance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that this is kind of playing to the forefront as well in these films too, where each each of the of Chan-wook Park's films kind of come from this idea that, you know, there's each of these characters definitely has a price to pay for what they are trying to seek out. And whether or not it's not as directly, you know, like where the demon returns and takes her firstborn daughter kind of a thing. But at the same time, you mentioned idea of karma or the yin and the yang and the balance between these well, there kinds is of forces. Even, okay,
1: so even in this film, like, okay, I guess Jem always wanted to see the ghost of the, the boy that she, you know, confessed to murdering to. Mm-hmm. You know, she always wanted to see him to ask for forgiveness, but she never did. But then he appears to her... Daughter Jenny and Jenny doesn't know who he is, and the ghost doesn't speak English, which I thought was great. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Jenny's like, "Do you speak English?"
2: And And he just
1: waves like, "No," and um, you know, but (laughs)
2: misconnection. But once, but that she doesn't. You almost get the sense that once again, this vengeance isn't about him, right? And so when she's kind of desiring that kind of climax later, I mean, we should say that there is a second. Yeah, but then
1: she does. She does get to see she does get to see her ghost and they handle it weird too. I mean, it's not just a, he straight up forgives her either. It's no, a little it's bit not, of a, it's
2: not about, yeah. it's,
1: it's, it's an interaction. Yeah. Like,
2: uh, <laughs> but one that, but one that isn't, that doesn't satisfy the reason she wants to yeah, see him. Yeah. And once again, there's like, it's, it's that it's, I think it's part of that kind of, a, that that price or that toll that uh, trying to achieve something like this can, you know, c- going after your vengeance. I mean, there is a price to be paid and, you know, it's, it's, built into i think a lot of folklore that you know that that it comes with that price and i think that's one of the kind of interesting things too but that once again in a broader sense you know maybe we should be a little bit more open to the kind of lore that these uh, that other cultures cinemas are kind of based on as well right where we see the fantastical happen you have to realize how strange it would be to see you know, an Asian person seeing an angel and not understanding the "quote unquote" rules that we understand—that ghosts can have.
0: Well, they
1: have their—they have their own set of demons and their own set of spirit. You know, like I, I mean, I, we
0: have our own set of heroes. Yes, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I and mean, that's, I think don't think even broader that, too, that's, right? That's, that's, that's just fantastic. That's sort of the thing that you end up running into is um, that we we consider all of their mysticism to be mysticism because we don't recognize that we have all these meta layers. I mean, the American spirit is present in American films. Yes. Like it's an actual force and we just take it for granted because that's how we put, that's, that's Joseph that's Campbell's, that's what we're aware of. That's yeah. Joseph Campbell's monomyth is right. that we adapt those bits into, and we, we put them, we sort of contextualize them in a realism that makes them look more realistic but the mythos is still there. Absolutely. And we play on it and we assume it exists. Well, and it's it's
2: frustrating, too, because, you know, like 99% of, like, you know, ghost or movies that involve some sort of ghost or is always just, in a sense, you know, echoplastic residual of, of psychic trauma, you know? Like, if we address the trauma, <laughs> then the ghost will disappear. Like, you know, that is such a lame-ass fucking reason. But yet it it is... You know, just omnipresent in so many of our of our horror movies, where this kind of fantastical well, element but our, plays but on. But our ghosts
1: kind of stick with our horror movies. Where I'm saying in Asian films, I mean they tend to be more part of the yes. everyday. You know, like. It, where they can
2: impact the impact the plot of like a divorce between two couples or a movie about a divorce or something. But
1: that, that's what I mean. Yeah, they they come more to play in like everyday situations. It's not like it's not reserved. They're not reserved for the scary house on the right. street.
0: Well, and and specifically, <laughs> I mean, I I don't know that I don't know that I or either of you can intelligently speak to how much of this is just an exoticism under an attempt to understand Asian culture that way, but. A lot of cultures feel that way mm-hmm. to a degree that we don't because we're a bunch of hard-nosed realists.
1: And we haven't been around as long uh, to develop, are... like, stories for as long.
0: Well, no, no, no. <laughs> it's not e- not even to that mm-hmm. extent. It's that we, I mean, <laughs> by the time the Enlightenment hit, Europe became jaded with all that shit. Yeah. In a way, we are the exception there. Yeah. And though our exception is kicking ass at the box office, um, there's still plenty of it out there. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, and, but also
2: there, there can be elements within this. So, like, American Beauty, you know, the narrator of American Beauty is the dead guy, you know, like, there is the kind of like, you know, it kind of creeps into certain areas, but like, you know, it, it, I think maybe Nicole's a little bit more right here in the sense that it is compartmentalized into genres a little bit more, you know, than and other kinds of cinema. Well, ghosts as well. tend to
1: be equate with like scary stuff in American things. yes yeah. like, oh, the, like I said, they're reserved for kind of the haunted houses at the end of the street. I, mm-hmm. I just
0: thought of the example, the the hiding in plain sight example in Birdman. His ego is manifested in the movie. Yes, yes. that is a common trope. Mm-hmm. That is a thing that happens in our movies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is the the idea of someone being represented. In more than one place at Mm -hmm. one time, it's not like that's not written in the Bible anywhere. (laughs) Right, yeah. That's just how we we find that to be a perfectly acceptable way to portray things. Our minds can be split into multiple entities. And we know in sort of the same way, I assume most other cultures understand that there aren't actually ghosts. That's just a metaphysical representation of an idea. Mm -hmm. We do exactly the same thing when it comes to thinking in our own heads. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would say that.
0: And it's it but we do kind of like but once again there's
2: probably those kind of symbols that we're not maybe catching up on a lot of times as oh, well. Oh no, I, I like, assume there's plenty of them. Yeah, then and we're yeah. just not thinking. Cuz there's that. we talked to one of our favorite films is like Adaptation which is a uh, uh, is a Spike Jones and Charlie yes. Kaufman film. And one of the hilarious things is, is that there's a set of twins and one of them is like a uh, a, a screenwriter who's trying to delve into the mysteries of the human soul, and his brother is taking these like hack story classes, and he's like, "Yeah, I think I'm gonna have my character look at a broken mirror, and it represents the kind of fractured nature of his personality." And he's like, "And he's just like <laughs> <liking> that's <laughs> in every film, like oh, but once again, it's that kind of like shared visual idea that you know, I mean, some people kind of know, but yet it's not like hokey, you know, like <laughs> but it's, it's that shared kind of memory. So I'm sure there are those tropes maybe going on in Old Boy or Lady vengeance and we're once again it's it's, it's no we're that.
1: definitely missing something but you know we're trying we're no trying it, to expose ourselves to, to to
2: other well and that's what we you know, i think what, what why we do this yeah. is why we talk about films is we <laughs> want to kind of you know see where that happens in our in our everyday experience of engaging our media and cinema in that way and our you know our visual art and the customs and values that it represents at least that's what i'd like to do but then also you know <laughs> that when we when you watch foreign films i mean we can't but help look at it the using what we've seen and gone through in the past as well. But at the same time, it can be, I think, like I said, hopefully give us a perspective, not only on how we see their cinema, but also maybe how we see ourselves as well. And I think that can also be kind of helpful. And, you know, for people who like new things and who are interested in the way that, you know, the other uh, 7 billion people on this planet do <laughs> things, you know, like I'm like, I'm kind of interested from time to time about how they make up their world as well. Excellent. Yeah. So, also, I mean, just a quick off, there's also some good foreign cinema that you maybe is a little bit more accessible, has been popular. Uh, Let the Right One In is uh, a good Norwegian film that's out there. Um, uh, there's a, oh God, I knew I was going to fuck this up. Uh, there's some Iranian films out there that's also uh, very good. Um, uh, going Are they Netflix like watchable also. or
1: do you want to kill yourself? No, they're
2: or... good. I, look, I like them, but they're a little bit darker and moody. So okay. I don't know how okay. good you, you know, <laughs> well, and they're not for everybody, obviously. <laughs> but. Um, once again, it's a good way to kind of see other cultures yeah. take on different genres, uh, have a different take on it as well. And it's just something I think that, once again, you know, we're not saying you have to, like, dive in head first and watch, like you know, 20 foreign films No, a it's week.
1: actually, but it's good. You know, you find the best one. Like, I don't have a lot of exposure to Indian film, but I have seen what I guess is considered the best Indian film of all time, Cholet. Cholet. And I have seen... uh um, the top
2: grossing films of all time. Yeah, the
1: top grossing, which is Da Bang, which was awesome. Yes. I don't think I need to indulge in a whole lot more Indian film. Right. But <laughs> those two were a blast.
2: Absolutely. For...
1: Totally different reasons.
2: (laughs) Well, but like, but so much of it can bleed over as well. Like, I mean, what American hasn't heard of Bruce Lee? And yet in his own lifetime, there was this, you know, like, you know, it was difficult for him to actually make a name for himself and be starry for an Asian man with an accent to star in a film. And
1: actually, we would have been talking about that topic specifically uh, during this podcast, if I had picked, you know, two of the movies that were out of the four, I had to choose (laughs) Mm because I picked two uh, Chan Park movies and I picked two Bruce Lee movies because I felt like for an introduction into uh, Asian culture in Mm -hmm. cinema, like Bruce Lee is really... Bruce Lee was so influential for how Americans perceive like Asians and martial arts and Asians in film and yes, everything. Yep. And I felt like it would have been a good movie to also tackle, um, you know, and also the trials and tribulations he went through just to get on the screen in America. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and I think that's probably what people are most familiar with. But I don't think that negates it at all, because I, f- I think that Bruce Lee was a very significant figure for a lot of people in America. Um, and was probably like the key, like jump-off point to where like we even under you know even knew anything about like Asian cinema.
0: Well, it sensationalized martial arts, if nothing else.
1: It did an excellent job of that. Well, but
2: David, I think you've kind of you know as someone uh, you know video game culture is very big in this country, and yet you know there is a kind of like shared you know uh, uh, cultural exchange, if you will, that kind of happens between. You know what, what 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 Nintendo was, which is a Japanese country. You know, yeah. a Japanese company making a, a video game starring an Italian plumber. You know, like you can kind of see these. How it, there's this like weird internationalized kind of sense, and yet, you know, like uh, you know, I know one of the. Not, I've never played them, but I know that like the Pokemon games were really big, and that when the different versions came out in Japan first, people were like wanting to play. You sure. know, like you see like kids playing Japanese. I'm like, do you read? Oh like, that, not that, a fucking I just know where the
0: characters you know like that absolutely happens but Nintendo is an interesting off case um simply because most other Japanese Nintendo is the least Japanese company that makes video games right oh, okay. um there's no re- like Mario Zelda Metroid Kirby all of the all the franchises that Nintendo is known for aren't impl- they're not culturally Japanese yeah. not to not even close to the same extent as maybe, let's say, Final Fantasy. Yes, Final Fantasy. Fantasy is full, is, you know, s- fell into fell into a fashion show. But those it, things sell like 10, 15 oh, million fucking sell, copies every version. Well, yeah, but, exactly. Uh, In several, this country alone. But several versions of those didn't come out here until they decided to re-release them later. A Nintendo... Nintendo has always played to a more international audience. Not to specifically denigrate your point, plenty, plenty of people import Japanese games, or at least they did when that mattered. That yeah, no what, 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 like,
2: like in the same time period, where we're
0: trying to bootleg yeah. out our copy. You know, oh, oh, our the 2000 in two thousand, oh yeah, no, the same, the same, um, the same fencing hubs that mm-hmm. sold VHSs were selling
1: the video games. Yes. SNES. Cards. Well, depending yes. on what you were, because some people were into anime, you know, we were into films. Some mm-hmm. people yeah, were anime into games. Is the same deal. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's so. I think that once again, though, some people were into Hello Kitty toys. Yeah. Well, but it's (laughs) but it's it's, you know why those things have kind of taken off, why they have taken a hold here. I mean, for one thing, I don't I don't get anime like in the slightest. I don't either. I I have a hard time with it, and but at the same time, it really apparently fucking speaks to a large group of people, and the kind of values or mythos or whatever. Just I mean, once I mean, I was at a convention where where an anime convention, and uh, yeah. Like, they were much more passionate than the Model UN students I was there still <laughs> chaperoning. But anyway, the idea is, is that, you know, we we have this more internationalized media going on right now anyway. And cinema, I think, is a, is one of the ways that we are very used to engaging in our own culture, but maybe a little bit more limited in, in recognizing the possibilities to be able to kind of understand and see other cultures from their perspectives as well. I think it's one of the most better – I think it's one of the better forms to do it because – you know, it's, it can be multi-generational, but at the same time, it's so much less commitment than, like, a video game or, like, a novel or, you know, other ways that you people just engage to, just, in art. Just
1: don't be scared of subtitles. You know, there's some good stuff out there. You don't have to dig through everything. Just find a good one. You know, like I said, we made plenty of good suggestions. Lady Vengeance is good. Battle Royale, if you're looking for something wackier and an yep. alternative to Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you don't have to go—you don't have to dig real deep, but, you know, just— don't be scared of the subtitles, well, yeah. and try, try, try one or two, yeah, and see what you, you
2: think. Find what you like. You know, there's there's the Ring trilogy and or the Grudge trilogy that yeah. were remade from. Yeah, if Asian... you like
1: horror movies, you know, watch some of the original Japanese versions of of yeah, like the Grudge and the Ring and all that stuff. I actually have watched. I've not watched the American ones, but I've watched some of the Japanese ones. I know.
2: We track those bootlegs down. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. You know, like a, you know, just just try it out. It's. It's not as bad as you think. And they they've got some fun stuff. Like I said, they they do some fun things with film. They get some of their storylines get dark. Um <laughs> it's a good time.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well no, and I think it just is once again a way that you can engage in something different from yourself. And I think give just, you know, alter our perspectives a little bit yeah. as well. Broaden our horizons,
0: if we Well, that's what I mean.
1: What else do you know about South Korea? I mean, Psy has become a, a global <laughs> pop star, so everyone is now aware of Gundam style. But before that, they I probably mean... probably
0: make all your appliances. Yeah, but that's map. what I mean.
1: Other than that, what do you know about South Korea? Like, yeah. nothing. <laughs> you don't know anything.
2: Well, I know they're obsessed <laughs> with revenge and vengeance. I know that much. So. Yeah, but
1: so Tarantino. What is that, you know?
2: <laughs> who, by the way... By direct inspiration. Fucking loved Asian cinema exactly, as well. Exactly, so. exactly. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, I mean, are we are we are we done gushing about international cinema right now? I think we I think are. So. And okay, I think we David.
1: Are... I think is our next pick. Yeah, we got like
0: the last piece of business, David. I am, <laughs> and um, there are two ways we could go with it. Um, I was actually gonna pick an anime. Okay. But, um, yeah, don't mind my. Yeah, no. Oh no, no, but the problem is I'm not sure which one. Are there any uh, good ones? Um, that's kind of the weird. Question. I mean, you would pick Ryan shaking his head. <laughs> no. I mean, Ryan, are you familiar with Miyazaki? Miyazaki?
1: I was gonna say, are you just gonna go Miyazaki? No, that's,
0: that's a problem. I don't want to do that.
2: Okay. No, okay, I will. I've seen um, Miyazaki. I've seen Princess Mononoke. We saw Princess fucking Mononoke in the theater when it came out. Yeah. I've seen Howl's Moving Castle. And um,
1: there's Kiki's Delivery. Yeah, Kiki's Service. Delivery Service. I've, I've the, seen it. And then the one with the cat bus.
2: No, I look. I I tease about anime. Oh,
1: Totoro. I, yeah, Totoro. Totoro. So I watched that at Stacy's. They have the
2: large animals, right? In Totoro. Yes. Yes. No,
1: I mean, I have. Well, he's a character. There's three characters. There's They're the big, big ass guy. No, there's one big guy, and then there's a small guy, and there's a smaller one, and then there's a cat bus. It's a bus, but it's cat. Okay.
0: Yep. Yeah, I and see, that's I all I can say about yeah. it. I I, I was oh, so
1: enthralled. I'm like cat buzz. Yep. Wow. No, I've
2: also seen we've seen the Lane series. I've seen um, Yeah, that was kind of weird. The Akira's and your ghosts in the machine ghosts in the shell or machine, whatever it is. And I mean I have seen them. I've seen the classic like you said, we kind of seek out Cowboy, the top ten anime. Cowboy
1: Bebop, I didn't really get that at all. Mm.
2: Yeah. But um but also, I mean I should bounce that out, which is that like a despise like you know, Dragon Ball Z. Like, I just don't get that, like, four hours of watching two people floating in front of each other, like, insulting each other. Yeah. So, I'd be open to the idea. Absolutely. Uh, It's just gotta be... uh, Yeah, I'm open to it. But, okay, so anime was one... Was the other side? You were maybe just going to
0: select... Oh, it's the one that we're gonna pick because we need to get it out of the way at some point because we keep talking around it. We're gonna do Jackie Brown.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: That's my favorite Tarantino movie. Okay, yeah.
0: We're gonna do...
2: So we will be um, next time we show up for movies. That will be be next
0: time, not next week. Nicole needs to take a week off, but um, I'm going to say the schedule so that I can immediately break it. I figured out what it takes for me to lose my focus on any particular scheme. I just have to say it out loud. So (laughs) the new scheme for the next, let's call it retrospective two weeks, is on Monday, we will do a group topic of some random... Deliberation. Wednesday will be some introverted spiel that I will throw out. Part of the introverse. Solo. It doesn't always have to be part of the introverse, (laughs) but it will just be me talking in a vacuum chamber, basically. (laughs) And Fridays will be consumption logs. Um, And next week, the consumption log will be on the second season of Better Call Saul. Okay. Which is Vince Gilligan's spinoff of Breaking Bad. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I'm watching that with Mitchell and Dylan. It Go. is very good if you like Vince Gilligan and probably horrible if you don't. <laughs> That's just the nature of the beast. But uh, look forward to that. We'll talk about season one as part of it as well, just because obviously we got to catch up on it. Um, but yeah, no. And then the week after we'll probably get to Jackie Brown, if not, you know, right after that. Uh, and with that, sounds exciting. That is Lady Vengeance in the can.
1: And now we're going to go to a man that has watched a lot of Asian film. Yeah. Tarantino. quite, yeah. Quite
0: well informed on the subject. <laughs> Ryan, Nicole. Thank you. Been a pleasure. Good morning, everyone.